0: God this morning, I'm just going to launch one verse, First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, and it says, and if Christ had not been raised, imagine that, and if Christ had not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, this would be a waste of time right now, if Christ had not been raised, our preaching would be useless, and your faith is useless, Come on, how many are glad that God, had, that Jesus was raised from the dead? Come on, this morning we're celebrating. You know, let's not give him a golf hand clap. Come on, let's give him a big hand clap right now. Come on, he's been raised from the dead. Come on, this is the most important event we're celebrating this morning in human history. It's about the greatest story. I know there's some pretty cool movies out today. But this supersedes, this goes above and beyond them all. You know, this is the greatest comeback. It's better than any sports event. We need a comeback for the Warriors and the Blues. And I'm praying for it. But I'm today celebrating the greatest comeback of all time. The greatest turnaround, the greatest reversal. How many know Jesus reversed death? And because he reversed death, he can reverse anything in your life. You know, life and death are hinged in the story. And I'm going to take you back because some of us don't understand that Jesus did die, he was crucified, but he rose again. It's, it's not a fictitious story, it happened. And I want to take you to John chapter 20, and we're going to read from verse 1. It says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. Now, Mary Magdalene, for those who don't know, was one of Jesus' most famous woman followers. Uh, Like many, she had followed Jesus for some time, and, and she had extraordinary faith. She believed Jesus. Yeah, you know, what many people do in the spirit building, they, they believe in Jesus. She believed he was a great teacher. She believed he was from God. She believed he was a miracle worker. She believed he had introduced a brand new level of compassion that was unknown in the Roman world at that time and had been lost to the Jewish world. She believed this Jesus was a revolutionary. She believed he was an extraordinary communicator and she believed that he was like no other person that she had ever met. But on Easter morning, Mary Magdalene believed Jesus was dead and that he was gonna stay dead. Perhaps you know the story. Jesus was arrested, he was tried, he was condemned and on Friday he was crucified. And generally in those days, they would leave a body on a cross for, for, in some cases, weeks. But Jesus, He bled to death. So they were able to take His body off the cross. And a man named Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, they came along and they begged Pilate for the body of Jesus. See, generally when the body was taken off a cross, it was put in a dump. Because it was illegal at that time to to bury a crucified body. It was part of the punishment for the crime. You weren't allowed to bury a body. Uh, But if you knew a centurion, if you're connected, you you could maybe appeal and ask for the body. And Joseph of Arimathea, he was connected, but he wasn't just connected. He was a wealthy individual, and so he was able to go to Pilate and ask for the body. Maybe he bribed Pilate to get it. But just as the sun was setting, just as the Sabbath, just as just as the Sabbath was about to begin. Uh, they took his body, these two men and maybe some other servants, and they quickly prepared his body for burial. Uh, They put him in a tomb in the garden that that Joseph owns and they rolled a big stone in front of it and they went home sad as they'd ever been. Uh, The way it worked back then was a body was left in a tomb until all its flesh had gone and there was nothing left but the bones. Now, this took a different amount of time because of the, the climate and different places, but they'll often go back to the tomb once this had taken place, and they'll collect the bones, and they'll put it in a box, and then they'll take this box, and they'll give it to relatives. Now, they thought, the thought that Jesus was in a tomb probably was that, hey, we'll put him there, and then we'll, go and collect his his bones once everything had deteriorated and would be able to give them maybe to his mother. Now, now the interesting thing about Mary Magdalene going, she went before even the sun was up and the Sabbath wasn't quite over. She goes to the tomb and she's preparing to go into a tomb with a body that's only been there two days and two nights in a day. And she was going to re his body for burial. Now, I've always questioned as to why Mary Magdalene and her friends went to the tomb. Because they, they knew Nicodemus and, and Joseph of Arimathea quickly prepared the body for burial and had put it in a tomb. My assumption that Mary and her friends went there was they probably thought that two men didn't do a good job. Uh, so they decided to go early on the Sunday morning to do it right. N- now you've got to think about this because this is significant. Uh, uh, these women loved Jesus so much. Uh, these women had so much respect for Jesus. Uh, these women had been moved by his ministry, they'd been moved by his words, they'd been moved by the fact that he had performed a miracle and he had even healed Mary Magdalene. She loved Jesus so much that she was willing to go into a tomb and unripe a dead body and properly prepare Him for it. That's how much she loved Him. But on Easter morning, she believed that Jesus was dead and He wasn't coming back. She brought things with her that, that would be needed to embalm his body. See, see, when I read this story, I think, man, that's got to require an extraordinary amount of love. Yeah. Whose body would you bring out of a grave and unwrap after it had been buried for two nights and a day? Who would you do that for? You may do it for your kid, you may do it for your grandchild. Uh, Maybe you do it for your spouse. It's a question you may want to ask your spouse. I don't know. Would you do that for me? (laughs) But that's how much Mary Magdalene loved Jesus. She perhaps loved him more than you do. She saw things that we may never see. She was more appreciative than some of us could ever be. And she, she was not just moved by the teaching. She's moved enough to respond. But here's the deal. On Easter morning, she believed that he was dead and that he was dead for good. So when she saw the open tomb, she was taken a little bit by surprise. She was shocked, but she did not assume that Jesus had been risen from the dead. Let's go, verse two. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, this is John, he's recording the story. And so John's on a little bit of an ego trip. that He thinks, I don't even need to mention my name. I just need to say the one who Jesus loved. And they'll know, it's John, yeah. So so John wrote this. Here's the thing, Peter and John, and the rest of the disciples went at the tomb. Where were they? They were hiding. Because they too assumed it was over. Game over. Hey, it was nice while it lasted. They were hiding and they were figuring out what they should do next. Maybe we should go to Samaria. We can't hang around here because the Romans, they took him. And if they knew we were his followers, maybe they'll come after us as well. And so they'll go, what do we do? And where do we go from here? And Mary Magdalene, she runs in and she tells them, and this is very important for those of you who are considering faith today. Today, I want you to think about this because nobody was standing outside of the tomb counting down from 10. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Yay, he's risen. Nobody. Uh, The man and the woman who had eaten with Jesus the man and the woman who had been touched by Jesus, those people who had heard the stories and had lived in real time, they heard the story of the Good Samaritan, that seen the feeding of the 5,000. Come on, they were there for that. The man and woman who had touched Jesus, saw Jesus, wrote down what he saw, uh, uh, said, uh, saw the miracles. Not a single one was standing outside of the tomb waiting for Jesus to come back to life. Not one. He had even told them what he was going to do. But none of them thought to believe it was actually going to happen. Because everyone who knew Jesus was somebody like you. uh, They believed he was a great teacher. They believed he was a prophet. They believed he was sent from God. They believed he was a miracle worker. They believed he was one of the wisest men that they'd ever met. Uh, they believed he was a powerful communicator, but they believed he was dead and he was not coming back. There, there was no one outside the tomb, no one expected a resurrection. Yet yeah, they believed, perhaps like you do this morning. So, so Mary, she rushes into the room. Where the disciples are hanging out and, and the hiding and says, Hey, verse 2, they have taken, they they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Do you know why she assumed somebody took the body? It was because there was no body in the tomb. Uh, that's why some of you got that. Some got that. It's all right. Huh? So, so when she saw the open tomb, she didn't say, "Hey guys, he rose from the dead." She said, "Somebody has taken his body." Now, now if we go to the Gospel of Luke, Luke's a doctor. He records things in more in depth. You know, he's spoken to many more people of, uh, about the account of what's happened. And if we pick up his record in Luke 24, 10, it says it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and others with them who told this to the apostles. So so Mary Magdalene rushes in. She loves Jesus. She has more respect for Jesus than a whole lot of people. She believed what he taught, believed what he claimed. And she's thinking someone stole the body. And all the apostles that gathered, someone stole it in the body and the, and the tomb is empty. Now, now listen to their response in Luke 24.10. It says, but they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them like nonsense. What do you, what do you mean there's no body in the tomb? They didn't not one of them jumped to the conclusion that there had been a resurrection. Non- nonsense? Nonsense? That, that's an important word. Uh, let me say that's what many people think when they hear about a resurrection, somebody coming back to life. Oh, that's just nonsense. It's nonsense. It doesn't make sense to my mind. That, that doesn't happen. See, I've got some great news for you this morning. In the first century, the people who knew Jesus the best, the people who looked right into his eyes and and, and who heard, come follow me, and followed him. I'm talking about Matthew, Peter, James, and John. The people who knew him best, who were most intimate with him. The guys who sat by the campfire and talked to him, who listened to him, who watched him. These very men thought the empty tomb was nonsense. They didn't expect a resurrection. They thought it was over. They thought they were going back to the lives from which they came. And they were just trying to figure out how. The question I want to ask this morning is, do you think a resurrection is nonsense? Of course you do. Because people don't come back to life. Especially when they've been drained of all their bodily fluids. That doesn't happen. People don't come back to life when they've been wrapped up and put in a tomb. And In our mind, that doesn't make sense. In verse 12, it says, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away shouting, he's alive, he's alive. That's fake news. That's not what's in the Bible. Uh, That didn't happen. He didn't say this. Uh, this is Peter, who later on go would go on to do some extraordinary things for Jesus. Now, here's what verse 12 really says. Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering, wondering to himself what had happened, wondering what had happened. He saw the empty tomb. See, nobody even assumed a resurrection. They believed exactly the same thing some of you do. Yeah, Jesus, He was a great prophet. He was a great teacher. You know, I I love the thing He said about, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I love that. You know, the prodigal son. I love that story. The Sermon on the Mount. Now, that's some great principles here's the deal they believed he died and he would stay dead. Now now here's the thing you've got to wrestle with here's the thing that's strange about this whole story. Jesus and the whole thing about being raised from the dead is, is the first century followers of Jesus they documented their disbelief. They documented their disbelief. Now, now, this is why it's a big deal. Here's why. Because if you're going to fabricate a story about a resurrection, and the whole reason for fabricating it is so that it could spread, so that you could start a movement after Jesus is gone. You know what you want to do is you'd want to be the hero of the story. You, you never want to document your disbelief. You, you would never want to record the fact that you were cowards and, and that you lost faith. How, how many know we're all the heroes in our own story? You know, when we read the Bible, you know, we're David. You know, we're the hero. We're never Goliath. We're never the, the bad guy in the story. But, but here, the disciples, they documented their disbelief. They documented when Jesus was arrested, every single one of them disappeared into the darkness and allowed him to be taken away. They documented Peter's denial. See, if you're going to make up a story, yeah, you would put, no one believed, but I did. <laughs> I, I knew it all along. You know, I stood strong. Everybody else lost faith. But John and I, you know, we had faith right from the start. No, you'd put that in there. We knew all along he was going to come down. We're waiting. We had a prayer vigil outside the the tomb. We had the choir, the bands. We're waiting for the, the sun to come over the horizon. And then we're going to go 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. He's alive. We knew it. We knew it. That's the type of story you would tell. You don't tell the type of story where you were the coward all the way through or you abandon him or where you don't know what's going to happen and you're frightened and afraid. But do you know all four gospel writers present Jesus' as closest followers as bewildered, confused, and afraid? Because they were. Something happened, not weeks, uh, not, not years later, but weeks later. You know, historians will tell you that it takes about 85 years for a generation to die off and, and for the next generation to get the story wrong. Come on, it becomes like Chinese whispers. We, we add something to it. You're alive and you still do that with your stories. The fish was this big. You, know, uh, you do that. But, but what happened weeks later? You know, it happened soon. So it wasn't a myth, it wasn't folklore. Weeks went by, not years. Weeks where the same group of people, the eyewitnesses, poured into the streets of Jerusalem, and they didn't teach what Jesus taught. They didn't teach the Sermon on the Mount. They didn't talk about the Good Samaritan they poured into the streets of Jerusalem and their story was, not once upon a time Jesus lived. It wasn't that. Their story was Jesus lives and we are witnesses of these things. Now now this is important because the reason you know anything about Jesus today it's because of that handful of people who poured onto the streets and said, we've seen him alive. We've seen him. See, Peter and John, a, a few weeks after the resurrection, they're going to the temple to pray, and there was a man laying there from birth. And that lame man got healed. And people looked, and they'll stunned and say, hey, that's what Jesus used to do. And Peter begins to preach. Guess what Peter's sermon was all about? It wasn't one thing Jesus taught. It was about the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. The story wasn't he lived. The story was he lives. Come on, I, I want you to get excited by this. I don't want you to just believe this is another story you read in a novel. Come on, this is real. And I want to present evidence today as to the fact that Jesus not only was crucified, He not only died, He not only was buried, but He came to life. See, See, Peter, he was bold. This guy who was once afraid was now bold in Acts chapter 3, verse 13. He said to the people, he said, you handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. He was looking at the very crowd who had shouted, crucify him. He was looking at the same people he denied Jesus to. This is the same Peter who was afraid. Where did this courage come from? Where did it come from? This is a few weeks later. Listen, in verse 14, he said, you disowned the holy and righteous one and you asked that a murderer be released to him. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Listen to this. We are witnesses of this. How how do you know, Peter? How do you know? We saw it. I'm not telling you what I believe. I'm telling you what I saw. See, it's easier to be wrong about what you believe than what you see. If you see it, you know what you've seen. And it can't be taken from you. See, see, later on, Peter's before Caiaphas who has the power to take his life. This is a powerful dude. And he's standing in front of him. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called into account today for the act of kindness shown to this man who was lame and being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. And this man stands before you healed. Verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. See, some of us today need to move from believing in. To just believing in to trusting in. Because if he's risen from the dead, if he's conquered the power of sin and death, we need to take a little bit more seriously all the other things that he spoke about, that he declared when it came to the kingdom. If he did that, see, the very people who brought Jesus to you are the ones who claim he rose from the dead. So, so, so if you're going to believe anything they said about Jesus, why would you not believe the most important thing that they said about Him? See, so you can't differentiate between what He said and what He did. So here's my invitation to every person in this room today, is why not go the whole way? Uh, why not be more than simply a respecter of Jesus? Uh, Why stop at an empty tomb? Uh, See, I grew up in church. I worked out by the age of 18. I listened to over 3,000 sermons. I knew the Bible. I knew the stories. Noah, Jonah, you know, I could go through Esther. I knew the stories. But I had to come to a place in my life where I had to put my trust in it. See, the Holy Spirit came to me one day and He said, Sam. Sam, you've heard a lot, you've read a lot, but you don't know that much. I thought, ouch, (laughs) that hurt. I thought I knew quite a bit. But in John chapter 8, verse 32, it says, You shall know the truth. And the word know is meaning to experience the truth, live it out. And he said, those who know the truth, they shall be set free. Yeah, many people today, they they can know about the Bible, they can read the Bible, they can quote the Bible, they can have their doctorate of divinity and everything, but still not live free. Because they believe in, but they don't trust in. See, it's only those who have experienced the truth are the ones who live in the freedom and in the joy and in the full life that God's purchased. It's one thing to believe, it's another thing to lean into. See, the epicenter of everything that Jesus did is found in the resurrection. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, James, Paul, they all saw and were witnesses of it. Now, if somebody made up a story, you know, I mean, no, they would change the story if they were threatened with death. But one of the ways that you know that this was true is all of the apostles were martyred for their faith. How I many know you've got to believe in a story to be martyred for it? Uh, you've got to know what you've seen. You've got to have a level of confidence. You just don't die for a myth. Uh, you don't die for something that's fictitious. No, these guys believed, and they were willing to die for the story. Come on, this gospel. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. And it says, And with great power, everyone say great power. If we could have the musicians up. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace, somebody say great grace. Great grace grace was upon them all. My prayer is that we would with great power give witness and that great grace will be upon us all. See, the, the resurrection introduced a new way of living, a new way of operating. It wasn't the cross and the message of the cross is not just so our sins would be forgiven. It's that we'd enter into this this new way of living. We'd operate with a new heart. We'd see things from a different perspective. See, without the resurrection, our preaching is useless. Without the resurrection, our faith is useless. But when you understand that we can now live A life empowered by His Spirit. Where we can live a life full of meaning and purpose. It's there you begin to understand. The entirety of what Jesus did. It's a new way. Today is Resurrection Sunday. And I want to declare a new life. Now, why do we have eggs at Easter? Some of you are wondering. Well, the tomb was sealed. The tomb was sealed. It's like an egg, but there was life within it. It's just like a a chicken and a egg when it hatches. Life's within it, it's sealed. And look, but there's life. That's why we have Easter eggs. And I thank God that the chocolate. You know, why bunnies at Easter? Bunnies at Easter, because it's, it's symbolic. When, when, when bunnies have babies, they, they put them in their burrow. And then they put them in their burrow and, and they seal off the burrow until until they're big enough, they're strong enough, but, but life is in it. It's like the burrow's a tomb. And, and life is in it. I want to declare that right now, Every situation and circumstance that may look like death, there's life in it this morning. Come on, every situation in your life that looks like it's all gone, it's all over, I want to declare a new day in Jesus' name. Come on to every sickness. Come on, the stuff that you've put up with too long. I believe God's power is here. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is here and wants to give life to your mortal body. If we just put our trust in Him. We're going to take communion right now. I'm going to get the hosting team to distribute the emblems. And we're going to appropriate the message of the cross. Not just remember. You can remember, but never actually appropriate it to your situation. We're going to take the message of Jesus, and and we're going to appropriate it to our lives. See, in our sin, the Bible says, the wages of that sin is death. We may be alive, but on the inside, we're dead because of our mistakes, because of the things that have happened. But by taking these emblems, which represent Jesus' blood and his body, his body that was broken for us, and his blood that was spilt, we're declaring new life, that we're no longer defined by our past mistakes. We're not the person that we used to be. Come on, you may have even done some stuff last night that you're living with the guilt and shame of. The good news this morning is His mercy is new every morning. And if you'd come to Him, you could experience new life. You could experience freedom. We're appropriating the cross right now to every sickness, to every disease. We're appropriating the cross right now to everything that we feel where we feel contained and where we where we feel limited see the tomb couldn't hold the life that Jesus had now, that that situation that's trying to limit you and contain you we're saying in Jesus name we're going to break through in Jesus name we're going to come to a new level this morning come on in Jesus name just that as you overcame sin and death you can overcome this issue in my life You can overcome the circumstance that's surrounding me. Come on, how many believe in the resurrection?